Hey guys, I appreciate you joining me. This is Jeremy Shaheen with the TR Hoops podcast, Tobacco Road Hoops, where we're going to be talking about Duke basketball, Carolina basketball, um, and what is going on with each team throughout the season, the strategy, the coaches, the players, the recruiting even. Uh, we're going to be following it all each week and uh, each month and seeing what's going on as well with the college basketball landscape. I'll be talking about some highlighted games and uh, where I think some teams are and who's in, who's out, uh, who I think could be you know, a, a championship contender. Uh, we're going to be talking about all of that in this podcast, and I'm looking forward to uh, starting this up. I have a huge passion for basketball growing up in Chapel Hill. I played for a bit at Guilford College uh, under a Division three basketball program. Obviously, it's not Duke or Carolina, but it was a great experience. Uh, to learn about what it's like inside of a program um, and the day in and day out grind that that was. So I'll just get into it. As you've noticed, this first episode is called Changing of the Guard, uh, which we got a lot of going on right now in Tobacco Road uh, College Hoops with Roy Williams stepping down this past season and Coach K going to be calling it quits after this season. Uh, It's a big change, you know, two Hall of Famers, two of the best coaches ever, uh, two great guys and that have run amazing programs. So it's going to be a big change, you know, for Hubert Davis and John Shire is going to be taking over for Duke. But first I'll touch on Carolina. Um, Obviously we know what Roy did. I mean, first before Carolina's 15 seasons at Kansas, they went to four different final fours. I was actually at one of those um, against Maryland uh, when Maryland won it in 02. Um, But and Roy had guys like Kirk Heinrich, Nick Collison, Drew Gooden, uh, Ralph LaFrenz, um, Paul Pierce. He had great teams there at Kansas. And I know I remember when he came to Carolina, I believe the Carolina Brass told him, you know, we don't want you here. We need you here. And I think that obviously meant a lot to Roy. He's from the North Carolina area. He did a lot there. He was an assistant before. And uh, it was a special place. It was home for him. So... Uh, Big deal. I remember him coming back. UNC was struggling a lot with Doherty. I know they had a season where they went 8-20. Just tough times in the program. And it's amazing to look at some of the stats when Roy came in uh, opposed to uh, Doherty. Doherty's last year, they were 238th in offensive rebounding in the country. And Roy came right in with pretty much the same players. And they finished 11th in the country in offensive rebounding. So that was... Probably the biggest change um, that was made. I mean, he was playing with two bigs, and they were rebounding the ball. No matter who was on the court, no matter who was there, I looked back uh, to when he started there. There was one year that they were outside of the top 30 in offensive rebounding and defensive rebounding. So an amazing stat that they did every year. I mean, that was instilled in every everything that they did. So that was a huge part of their game plan. Um, they did it as well as anybody in the country. So that first year back, they went 19 and 11 after they were 8 and 20 uh, the year prior to him coming to Carolina. And then that second year he was there, they won it all, 33 and 4. Uh, most of the same guys from the, the class that Doherty had with Raymond Felton, Rashad McCants. Uh, but they did add Marvin Williams, a great one and done player out of Washington. Uh, Sean May was unstoppable. I mean, you had multiple 2020 rebound point games. Um, so that team was one of the better teams in a long time. 
obviously that 2008-2009 team that Roy had with Ty Lawson and Hansbro. Uh, Ty Lawson, I think, is one of the best, or I think he is the from end to end the best uh, point guard I've seen. I mean, so quick, so fast. Uh, they just beat everyone down the court, and they also had two dead eye shooters with Danny Green and Wayne Ellington, who are still playing in the NBA today. So, and Hansbro, obviously down low. I mean, he's arguably one of the best college basketball players ever. And then you look what they did with that 2017 team uh, at the year prior, getting beat on a buzzer beater to Villanova and Chris Jenkins, and they all come back. Um, Justin Jackson being the only NBA player, Theo Pinson as well. Um, you know, two fringe NBA players who uh, are not, you know, anything, you know, aren't really role players in the NBA even. Uh, but that team just, they had the want and the motivation to come all the way back. And you got to credit Roy for uh, instilling that in them and, and really working to get back to that championship game and winning it um, for their buddy Marcus Page, who couldn't do it the year before. So uh, what, a, what a great coach he was. And um, you know, a lot of people fault him for different things, you know, the timeout situations. And, you know, I remember people always talking about, you know, he never calls a timeout when they need it most and at the end of games and saving all the, you know, they'll finish games with three timeouts. Now, they used to have five timeouts. Now it's four. But he would save all the timeouts to the end or, you know, but also some situations at the end of the games where he would just let his players play. And I feel like that instills confidence in the players where you know your coach trusts you to make the right play at the end uh you can debate it all you want but you know he was a winner uh at every every place he was at so you know you can't debate that he's one of the greatest college basketball coaches ever you know you could tell the last few years that it seemed to be wearing on him a little bit the college game had really changed it was more of an nba type a lot of pick and roll uh you know, that two big offense that they had at the four and five, a lot of kids don't really want to play with that. They want to be shooting threes. They want to, you know, do different type of things rather than back to the basket the whole game. Um, so, you know, but I did not see him retiring. And that was a shock, I think, to everybody after last year, that tough year. But, you know, you still thought Roy would come back. And, um, you know, also I think with Roy, I mean, there wasn't that patience anymore where you come in and you wait a couple years and, you know, you see what happens and you get better each year. You know, that's not the case anymore. Now you come in, especially with the new transfer rules, you come in as a freshman, you're not playing. Well, you're going to go somewhere else where they'll play you right away and give you the ball and let you do your thing. So that I think was another factor with Roy that, you know, kids just weren't the same anymore and that. You know, it's it's all changed. Now they want to be the guy right away. Give them the ball. Or if not, they're out. And, uh, you know, that was a tough situation for him, I believe. You know, so initially I thought they'd go after a guy like Brad Stevens um, and trying to get him and throw a ton of money at him. But, you know, they wanted to keep it in-house. Uh, I even thought of guys like Chris Holtman or Bruce Pearl, great college coaches with um, just, just great college coaches and um, Bruce being at Tennessee and now at Auburn with the top team in the country, one of the top teams, and Chris Holtman. I mean, I, I love Chris Holtman and the way he coaches and strategizes, and uh, I think he's such a good good coach. So I thought they'd look outside the family for a little bit, but they you know, went inward, and it really came down to what Roy wanted. It wasn't – I don't think Bubba had much of a choice. Um, 
I personally wanted Wes Miller, or I didn't want, but I thought he was the best guy for the job if they were going to keep it in the Carolina family. I saw what Wes did at UNCG, me being at Guilford. I mean, he he's a player's coach. I mean, I watched UNCG multiple times, and he built that program up. Um, granted, it's UNCG, not UNC, but, you know, he got fans to the games, and you could see his players just played for him. They loved playing for him, and um, I thought he did a great job at UNCG, and I thought he was the man for the job if they were going to keep it in-house. You know, Wes had gotten UNCG to the NCAA tournament, and I just loved his demeanor on the, the sidelines. But Carolina stayed in-house and uh, with the, the current program and went with Hubert Davis, uh, who, uh, you know, coached the JV team. That was his only prior experience coaching. Um, he actually coached one of my best friends, so immediately as he was hired, I was reaching out to him saying, you know, what's his strategy, how does he play, and what's he like, and, um, you know, my friend obviously loved him, and, uh, he's, you know, Hubert really is, seems to be, from what everyone says, such a good guy, um, and as far as coaching, you know, he told me, like, we are not playing that too big style like Roy does, so, you know, it, it, he was going to bring a new offense to the program which was more NBA type style uh, a lot of shooting threes and uh, a lot of pick and roll a lot of letting guys play with a lot of freedom um, as you see this year already they're one of the best shooting teams in the country uh, actually Carolina's second best shooting team since um, 0405 the championship team so these guys I mean they all can shoot the ball uh, the only guys who can are Leaky Black who's a great defender and Baycott, who's dominating, I actually think Baycott is the leader in the clubhouse for ACC Player of the Year right now. He's just unstoppable. Um, and then Justin McCoy, who plays a little bit, does a lot of the dirty work off the bench. But other than that, you know, all those guys out there can really shoot the ball. Um, and I think Hubert, I mean, he was dealt with a bad card with Roy leaving. I mean, I felt bad for Hubert in a way that he really had to scramble. I mean, he was dealt with just a tough time at the end of the season and going into the off season with all the transfer changes and trying to recruit these guys back and keep Caleb Love and keep Baycott from transferring or trying to test the NBA waters. I mean, him going out to get Dawson Garcia, who had a great freshman year at Marquette, and then him going out to get a, a, a big-time veteran three-point shooter, Brady Manick, who played with Trey Young at Oklahoma for a year. Uh, all that experience to get him was, you know, I thought an amazing job by Hubert um, in that scramble mode. So, I mean, just in those first few weeks that he was there, I mean, you could tell things were very different and changed that he went out to go get those shooters like Manic and Dawson Garcia who could do a lot of other things. And, you know, it was, it was already very different than what Roy had uh, implemented there. So the only big one that really hurt them was Walker Kessler, who, you know, barely got any time as a freshman. You know, I, I kind of put that on him coming into Carolina with Dayron Sharp, who was, you know, a highly touted recruit, and they are already returning Armando Baycott and Garrison Brooks. So I'm not sure where he saw himself in that offense that first year, but he didn't get much playing time, and um, that was a tough loss for Hubert. I remember in his opening remarks in the press conference, I mean, he was saying Walker Kessler is a Carolina kid. And uh, he didn't end up coming back. So that was a big loss. You know, Walker, I think, is probably leading the country right now in um, defensive player of the year. I mean, he's having such a good year under Bruce Pearl. Um, 
averaging, you know, I think he's second in the country right now in blocks per game. And that team is as good as any right now. So he's in a perfect situation at Auburn now. And, you know, Hubert, he's a lot of people don't have much patience. I mean, I know it's Carolina, so there's not going to be much patience. Each loss is huge. But, you know, I think we got to give him some time. And he's learning in that role. I mean, there's no doubt that he's a, I mean, what he did in the NBA being, I believe he's third all time behind Steve Kerr and Seth Curry for, uh, three-point percentage. I mean, had a long career. So, you know, he's a winner and he's uh, done things at the highest level. I mean, he can relate to these kids. He, he played in the NBA and, you know, he's he had a long career. So, you know, the thing that surprised me most, though, that Hubert did that, you know, I wasn't really sure about was going out and picking his staff with guys like Sean May, Brad Frederick, um, and, and Jeff Lebo. And, you know, those guys are all Carolina guys. You know, we knew he'd, he, we knew he'd keep it in-house. Um, I know he tried to get King Rice too, but that didn't happen. But, you know, I just thought he would probably get some different guys. Uh, and as far as names, I mean, you know, Steve Robinson obviously left. I thought he may keep a veteran veteran there who's been in the program for a long time. So I was kind of surprised at that. Steve went to uh, Arizona, who's having a great year right now. You know, he let Kendall Marshall go, um, so he was booted off. But it, it'll be interesting to see how he can recruit um, out in the field. I mean, if, if it, if, you know, it's Carolina. Anybody can recruit to Carolina. But, you know, he, it's going to be interesting to see the type of players that he can get. And uh, this summer, what he did, like I said, with Brady Manick and Dawson Garcia and being able to recruit Caleb Love back, who was thinking about, I think, going home to Missouri and bringing Baycott back. You know, he did a very good job of putting talent together for this team. Um, and it's it's crazy, you know, how they are away from home um, versus at home. I mean, they're one of the best teams in the country the last two years. I think they only have one loss uh, at home in two years, and Hubert's never lost. He's undefeated at home right now, um, which is incredible. I mean, just the other day against NC State, they couldn't miss a shot. So those guys, they're a different team at home, and if they can take that to the road, you know, there's no doubt that they're a top 25 uh, talented team in the country. But, uh, you know, now switch to Duke and, and what they've done. I mean, Coach K, the same thing, retired, and uh, he'll be retiring this upcoming after this season. Uh, that was a shock. I mean, we knew Roy and Coach K would retire someday, but I don't think any of us were ready for it to happen. And especially with K, I mean, no one man, I always say, no one man has been counted on more on a program, a university, of a coach uh, in any sport than Coach K. I mean, he's he is Duke. Uh, I know a lot of people say no one man's bigger than the program, but that guy is the program. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see now. They got Shire, obviously, on board, and uh, they've done it a, a very different way than Carolina. Uh, they, they put it out there, you know, Shire will be the head coach next year. But what Coach K did as far as, you know, it's just, the list goes on and on. I mean, all the five different championships, being in the USA, leading the USA when the USA uh, team was in a bad place. Uh, they were not doing well in the world championships, the Olympics, and he was able to get that team together. Guys like LeBron, KD, Kobe, Jason Kidd, um, some of the best players in the world, for all of them to come together and uh, dominate the world as they should um, from the USA. So, But as far as at Duke, I mean... 
I think the word that comes to mind the most with him is adaptability and how he was able to change uh, throughout the years. Uh, then winning it back to back, 91, 92, then in 2001, you know, then in 2010, 2015, you know, all these different decades that he was able to, you know, the one constant was him winning um, is pretty incredible. You know, in today's age where there's so much parody in college basketball uh, to do what he did, you know, it was fascinating. I, I brought up the word adaptable is that 2010 team that Duke had with John Shire and uh, Nolan Smith, Kyle Singler, Lance Thomas, Brian Zubek. They had two juniors that started and uh, three seniors. And then you look at, you know, the team with 2015 with three freshmen, freshman led, uh, and then one senior with Quinn Cook. I mean, just such a different cast of characters and years in college and a play style. So he, he had so many different, you know, he went into that one and done like Kentucky and John Calipari and, you know, obviously being with Team USA and coaching guys like LeBron and Kobe and KD and all of them, that, that really helped recruiting at Duke. Um, but I think the, the best story I have of Coach K, I think is the coolest, um, is when they were playing against Ralph Sampson, uh, I believe in the 80s at Virginia, and Duke was uh, they got killed by 30 points, um, and Coach K went out after the game and went to go get something to eat, I believe, with his wife and some others. And someone told him, you know, here's to forgetting tonight, um, you know, washing it out of our, our minds and, you know, just getting rid of it since they got blown out by 30 points. And uh, I think it's cool that Coach K said, here's to never forgetting to what tonight. And he wanted that to sink in to make them better and uh, make the program better and sometimes you got to get beat sometimes you got to get knocked down uh, in order to improve and I think that's a pretty cool story and you know another philosophy that coach K has that I think is pretty neat and agree with is every year I mean he doesn't have a standard offense you know every year we're going to do this we're going to do that you know he, he gets his roster and he, he tailors it to that specific roster so there's no you know offensively no specific system that they have every single year that they, you know, bring guys in for. So every year they're, you know, whether they have guards or big guys, you know, they're going to change the offense and cater to that uh, unit, uh, which I think is pretty neat. And I agree with coaching wise. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what Shire does and, and how he goes about his way of doing it and doing it differently and uh, the, the steps he takes and then who he builds his staff out with. I mean, I know He's going to try to keep Nolan on board um, as well as Carowell, and I think they'll bring Emil Jefferson as the last assistant um, for Duke. And I, I think that's a great staff. I mean, they've already got the number one class for this next season um, as far as ratings go. You know, you never know how that turns out, but they've done a good job of getting the guys that they want uh, to bring to the program. And, you know, you look at a guy like Nolan who came in and, um, as a special assistant in 2016, and he actually got offered an assistant coaching job, a lucrative deal with uh, Penny Hardaway in Memphis, um, and he turned that down to stay at Duke. Um, so he's really sought after, and um, he, he's, you know, the, thing, the people that he knows and throughout the, the college basketball world and the NBA world and all of his connections, and you always hear how great of a guy he is. Um, I think is huge for the Duke program to have, uh, especially with him and John being uh, teammates together, national champions together.
with them being so close and tight-knit, uh, I think that'll only benefit Duke. And uh, another thing with Nolan, um, you know, he didn't do it the easy way at Duke. He wasn't a one-and-done. He wasn't, you know, really successful right away. He had some lumps, and he thought about transferring, going with his guy Johnny Dawkins out to Stanford when he took that job. So, you know, these guys know the program at Duke, and they know it's not easy, and they can relate to to the players, um, you know, being that Nolan and John were at Duke, you know, about 10 years ago. Um, so I think that will be huge going forward, the experience that they have with that. But it'll be, you know, it'll obviously be so different uh, without Coach K at the helm. Like I said, no no one team, no one organization program has relied on one man more heavily than Duke has. So with that, I want to wrap up the first uh, podcast that we're going to be making here. If, if you guys have any comments or questions or feedback, um, you know, I love debating Duke basketball and Carolina basketball. I've been doing it for over 20 years now, so I figured I'd just put it on, you know, we get into this podcast and uh, we can talk about it and hopefully get some, you know, maybe different writers around the area, uh, people who cover sports, people who have been involved in the rivalry, people who love the rivalry. Um, and everything that comes with it. So, you know, I'm looking forward to talking about all of that. Um, but now we're getting into the second half of the ACC season for these two teams. And uh, that's a crucial time right now uh, for them and, and their growth and um, what they're going to be able to do come March. It's that time of the year where, you know, you got you to gotta be getting into form uh, because, you know, it's, it's, it's getting closer to March. So, uh, you know, it's, that's that time of year where you want to be at your best. And uh, if you're not, you know, you're going to go down. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, this is where the teams kind of separate themselves. And uh, we'll see what happens here. But look forward to continuing this and talking about the upcoming games. And that'll wrap it up for episode one of the TR Hoops podcast, Changing of the Guard.